0: Welcome back to Medrashumaisa, sharing a story for this week's parsha, Parshas Noach, and unfortunately for time of war here in Eretz Yisrael. One of the tzaddikim who survived World War II, I can't remember if it was the Satmarov or the Kloisenberger Rebbe, said that only after the war were they able to understand why Noach, upon leaving the Teva, came out, planted a vineyard, made wine, and got drunk. It seemed so inappropriate for someone who was described as such a tzaddik. After the war, they said they understood, because so many people who did survive ran back to the towns that they came from, hoping to find family, friends, and they came oftentimes to discover that there was no one left. Everyone had been destroyed. The entire world that they knew no longer existed. This put them in an incredible state of pain. And they looked for some way to numb the pain. And some of them turned to alcohol just to try and save themselves. The Rav said, so you'll ask me, what about me? Didn't I also feel such pain? He says, I did. Didn't that pain also drive you mad? He said, it did. But it made me crazy to build. And I took that pain and I transformed it into the energy of building, and that really built so much of the world of Torah that we see and live in now. That dynamic, that power, illustrates the ability to somewhat control the mind, to stop the mind from going to negative places, and instead to have it go to positive places. This is something that we need, especially in wartime. Throughout the day, we'll often find our mind going to many places that are painful, depressing, frightening, and it really isn't useful or purposeful. We're supposed to have empathy for people who are suffering. We're supposed to be aware of the situation, but we're supposed to control our minds so that it doesn't weaken us. As Rambam brings in the laws of war, that soldiers have to be careful about what they think about, that it shouldn't weaken their morale and weaken their strength in war. So too, everyone at times of war should try as much as we can to control those thoughts. The Mujitsu Rebbe in World War II, I heard from official Schechter, someone met him once during the wartime, and he looked at the Rebbe, and he was amazed. He said, Rebbe, you don't seem worried. He said, I worry. I have five minutes a day that I worry. The rest would simply be repetition. It's very true if we think about it. Obviously, that's a very high level that's hard to reach, but we have to at least set our sights on learning and hoping to control things more. We often view our world of thought as totally uncontrolled, not our responsibility, and our thoughts will go where they go. They say that a chassid once came to the Baal Shem Tov and asked him for help in controlling his thoughts. The Baal Shem Tov said, I'm going to send you to someone who can help you. He told him the name of a man in a certain village and said, go to him, he can help you. The chassid traveled to the village. He arrived there in the nighttime. He came to the man's house. The lights were on, and he knocked on the door. Nobody answered. He knocked louder. Again, nobody answered. Tried yelling out, hello. Nobody answered. The lights in the house eventually went off. In a last effort, he tried throwing some gravel up at the window to get somebody to come out. Nobody came out. The village was shut down. With no other choice, he curled up on the doorstep and went to sleep. The next morning, the owner of the house opened the door on his way out to Shoal, and the traveling chassid looked up from where he'd been sleeping and said, why didn't you answer the door last night? Why didn't you let me in? So the man said, the Baal sends people to me who need help controlling their thoughts. That's lesson number one. Your mind is like your home. You can choose who to let in. And whom not. Again, it's a high level, but it's something we have to aspire to. In the Hoshanas, which we said on Sukkot, one of the Hoshanas speaks about all sorts of agricultural dangers. It lists different plants and fruits and the natural enemies that can destroy them. Whether it's a locust that can eat a plant, whether it's a worm that can get into fruit, and then it has a line, hoshana nefesh mi behola, save people from panic. Sadikim say that we have to pay attention to that. The ultimate enemy of nefesh, of the human being, is behola, is panic. In were words, who used to repeat that phrase in times of stress in order to remind themselves that they have to save themselves from panic. One final example, just of uh, this power... During the time of Napoleon, there was machlokis among different communities in the Jewish world as to how they related to Napoleon. The Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, was opposed to Napoleon. And one of his Hasidim even spied on Napoleon's troops for the other side. Now, the way the French would try to detect spies was if there was some they suspected of spying, they would simply surprise him and yell, you're a spy, and then check his pulse his heartbeat, to see if it was racing. So this Labavitcher chosid who was spying on them got that treatment. They came and they said, you're a spy. They checked his pulse, they checked his heart, calm and cool, even though he really was a spy. Later people asked him how he did it. He said, that's what our Rebbe the Balatanya taught us. The mind can and should rule over the heart. If we take small steps and at least define this as a goal, hopefully we'll be able to succeed. And hopefully Hashem will give us quieter times where we'll be able to focus our minds from one positive thing to the other without having to try to lock out those dark thoughts. Wishing everyone a good and peaceful Shabbos.